everyone, and welcome to the Go Global podcast series, the show that addresses the importance of think globally and act locally. I'm your host, Ellen Wang from Leeds University Business School. Today, I invited Roland to join me on the show. Roland is no stranger to us, as he's been pursuing higher education at the University of Leeds since bachelor degree, and now he has embarked on the journey of postgraduate research. So I'm very excited to learn a bit more about Roland's journey and to hear his view on globalization. Hello, Roland. How are you doing? Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Ellen. Thank you for inviting me. Great. So I think a very good place to start today is for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey so far here at Leeds, and where does that take you to the future, please? I My, my uh, career background is in the third sector, the charity sector. So I worked mostly sort of social care and housing. When I left that, I kind of decided to do something I would always um, had been passionate about, which was to, you know, uh, learn. I love learning. So it was to come to uni. I did. I came as a mature student and I did my uh, undergrad. This was with the LLC and that was for the contemporary and professional studies degree. Love that. Um, I went on to do my master's, which was a master's in IB with a study abroad only because I was uh, able to do an exchange semester. And uh, like you said, now I'm on uh, I'm a postgrad researcher um, at the business school, but in the uh, international business division uh, as well. Um, whilst here, I've uh, I think guided by my third sector experience, kind of uh, as part of my uh, exhausting my potential as a student. I just went for anything that kind of spoke to me. So I did a lot of voluntary stuff. Um, I still do. I I volunteer as a as a trustee on the board of Leeds University Union. I volunteer as a learning champion. That's with the uh, Lifelong Learning Center. And the role of the learning champion is pretty cool. It's just uh, speaking to other mature students. So mature being 21 and over. So starting in undergrad, 21 and over. Uh, speaking to other mature students who are considering uh, higher education as their path of development and just sharing with them and saying, as a mature student myself, this is my experience and uh, hopefully it informs their decision making. Um, the one word that comes to my mind is uh, serendipity. And why I use that is when I came here, I was like, okay, go do my undergrad and uh, move on, right? But uh, I'm still here. So I guess this, when you talk about the future, I guess there's that balancing, you know, planning, but also acknowledging serendipity because it will take you to something you'd never thought of. So, so, so I guess if I do write and complete my, uh, my, my doctoral studies, I will set myself an, uh, at the place where I can opt to stay in academia or to to go into industry and create or make impact that way. So I'm not kind of fixed on what I will do post this. I mean, right now the plan is to pass the transfer at the end of this year and then complete this PhD and whatever the future holds for me, hey, bring it on. I, I joke to friends and I say, I came, I saw, I stayed. 
That's great, Roland. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It sounds like you're someone who maximized the opportunity around you to enhance your learning experience, which is great. And I have to say, I didn't realize you're also involved actively in other roles within the university, trustees on student union board and learning champaign. Um, that's, that's amazing. As someone who's completed a bachelor degree, master degree or in Leeds and now embarked on the journey of postgraduate research in the middle of global pandemic, what is your main challenges that you're facing right now? Oh, that, that's, a, that's a good one. I think, so having had the in-person learning experience, right? I have a comparison. This, this digital start and working within it, to be honest, has was tough, definitely the beginning to adjust, you know. I think uh, there's, there's no doubt some sparks ha happen when you are in person talking to people and that helps and sort of just edifies the whole learning experience. So that I miss that. I miss the connecting with people and talking to people, meeting people, because you meet people in the most random of places, right? It's, it's not just in class, it's in modules, if you're doing an extra module, it's in uh, uh, society, say. And so that's, 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 yeah, I miss that. I miss having coffee on campus, that's pretty cool. But in the context of surviving a pandemic, we, I guess, you know, within the constraints, because this is a global thing, so in the constraints of that, I guess uh, the school's done a brilliant job in keeping us going, so keeping things going. But what it obviously does is is where we get the knowledge, we get the work done, the, the, there's one aspect that's working. I think we miss this um, sort of rapport building, this getting to know people thing, because when you're online and you're doing a Zoom call, or you're doing a Teams meeting, it's kind of very transactional, you know? It's just, you do what you're there for very efficient by the way and i think that's probably a discovery that a lot of people will make but of of course then you you know you're having a zoom fatigue and i i it was interesting reading this article about a zoom fatigue session on zoom so like this is the world we're in right now this is this <laughs> this is the world we're in now Great, thank you. I absolutely agree with you. I do also think that spark happens in person. I'm a very much personal, uh, you know, individual as well. I, I love the face-to-face -face interaction. So, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much sure that our audience will resonate with you as well. I mean, they call them the water cooler moments, right? So it's those moments where you just walk up there and you're like, hey, and then you don't know where that leads so so that's definitely missing on the on an online i i feel because even when you go into the zoom groups i think everybody goes in there with the explicit awareness that i'm here to do something and then kind of go back so unless they're people you know or people you've studied with maybe you know then maybe it, it works but then again look this is my perspective and there's many perspectives out there so Absolutely. And I really like the 
the, the choice of a word that you use so when it, it, it comes to challenging that you describe challenging online um, engagement can be very trans trans uh, transactional trans yeah. transactional I, I think that's a really good observation um, and you're absolutely right because it takes away that kind of a random engagement with the people which sometimes it sparks the innovation it sparks the new ideas um, so yeah I think that's a really good observation and point so thank you for sharing that so I wanted to talk about um, globalization next. Obviously, the podcast aims to address the importance of think globally and act locally. So I wanted to ask, do you think this term is important for postgraduate researchers like yourself? And if so, how do you think that globalization impacted your research strategy, please? You know, international business is is exactly that. You know, anything that crosses a, a border is our concern for our study. But we, you know, very very varied areas that we we study and look at, and the 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 word that comes to mind when you talk about global or globalization is globalization, and what that has done in the sense of the if you want the its history is it's gotten rid if you want of say national borders because you know one of the focus points in uh, international business is the multinational corporation right so these people own or set up business across borders so as the company for for the company whilst it operates in different parts of the world all these parts belong to it, right? So in a sense, that organization transcends uh, uh, um, the, the border. Um, it's, it's obviously interesting times that we're living in at the moment, even for, for sort of the subject area, only because we are having um, the, the, the rise of tech companies, you know, who for whatever reason you might think of, literally some of them, you know, what is a what is a border to them? Because they, they sit up in one place and they're just a global company as they go. Um, I, I still, I find it interesting uh, only because, you know, what the, going back to the earlier example of companies, you know, the one thing that always comes to my mind is, um, uh, how the Japanese companies have gone globally. So for, for the UK, uh, the example that comes straight to my mind is uh, Sunderland. And in Sunderland, the, the biggest employer out there is Nissan, which is a Japanese company. So one could argue and say, well, uh, how, 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 how can Nissan be local? Well, they've employed people from Sunderland. They're, they're, their value chains, you know, have employed other people from from the area. So, if you know, it, it would take for some, it would take someone to maybe ask further and say, you know, who who Nissan is not a a, a UK company. They would probably look at you funny. I think, mind you, this is this is just me, but this is similar of Ford, right? When they set up their plants in Dagenham, people thought Ford was a British company. But it's not. It's it's still an American company. So so this is at a okay. Granted, it's at a very big or large business scale, 
of companies that are not, if you want, geographically located here, setting up here and uh, doing well in, in being local. So that's the big thing. That's the big business side. From a, from a small business side, I think what uh, uh, the technology has done is it's it's made it possible for somebody in their in their bedroom, if you want to, to sell goods or stuff or even ideas, right? And the border is not respected by by that channel. So that's an interesting whole area. I think that research will be going on for a while to truly and to truly understand that. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting, Inter interesting. Uh, if you want transition that's going through in our study, but uh, global, yeah, concerning uh, a, a local, you know, opposites or whether it's a lo local that's globalized or global that's localized, is is two ways, and uh, it it it's it. I don't think we're getting rid of it. If anything, you know, the the globe is getting smaller, and so it's it's definitely relevant. Is a relevant area for a lot for for as many people to look into. Great, thank you. And just to kind of follow up on what you've said, and and thank you for sharing that. And I think your subject matter expertise definitely comes through there. Um, so I wanted to ask, how does that kind of resonate with you in terms of do you think the term globalization will impact your research strategy? Uh, you know, in in areas of your PhD studies. Um, or how does that resonate with you? So my my research is um, looking at how international business theory and policy can uh, impact uh, inclusive economic growth and sustainable development in Africa. Africa is a very, uh, if you want, disparate mass. You know, it's fifty five different countries, very different countries as well you know so what i'm trying to do with my research is uh focusing on the agenda 2063 plan which is the african plan for if you want uh the economic independence and which is literally as in 2063 is trying to understand how africa given the context how how they can realize that right as 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 they are they are a part of if you want the global economy they have a they have space i mean africa is the only uh, region if you want that will be uh, sort of growing its its population and so how can they harness that in the sense of a uh, global it's under it's perhaps understanding now that the world is where it is the technological advancement net how can some of these to the global advancements how can they adapt those to suit the region uh you got you got different examples so i i know at a national level um you've you've got countries that have jumped one stage so um where the West went uh, landline and then mobile, you know, in some African countries, they've just jumped landline altogether and straight into mobile telephony. Now that's at a national level. So 
my my research is focused at a supranational level, which is the African Union, and at a national level, which are the members of the African Union, and how they can, you know, empower their citizens, their societies, but importantly, as as a as a grouping, work together to realize what what is in the agenda, twenty sixty three, plan. Um, I'm looking at it through trade. I'm going around the places here, but. Yeah, I'm looking at it through trade, and I believe that is the biggest enabler. Now, the two, or the, currently the three big uh, trade areas or blocks, you know, in the world are the EU, uh, the, the US, and you've got out in Asia, the ASEAN uh, community of countries. And so, hopefully looking at, at how they are going about, you know, running their, their uh, re, uh, regional integration and how they've integrated their economy and their trade and how Africa can um, adapt, you know, what, what would work for, oh, and China and how Africa can adapt those for, for itself is where I think it will come in, in, in whenever I, once I start reading more into this. That sounds really interesting. And I'm looking forward to following your research progress. And to our audience, remember, if you are interested in Roland's research, that everything that he just shared, remember to follow him. And I'm sure that um, you won't be disappointed. Um, although 2063, it seems such a long distance away into the future, right? But I'm sure it's not, because it, time really flies. Well, I hope to be here then, because it'll be something to see. So Absolutely. yeah, and Same I'm going to be working towards it. So. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay, so I'm going to sort of take you back from sometime into the future to to where we are now. Um, so I wanted to ask that given the global pandemic has limited everyone's international mobility, what advice or tips can you share with our current students or our audience uh, across different levels, develop a global mindset, but to act locally, please? For me, uh, what is been pretty cool about this whole uh, don't know if you can say pretty cool in a pandemic but what has been nice or an outcome I guess again looking at the opportunity side is how I've been able to sort of engage with learning from across the world right so suddenly you can join a webinar in Australia in America you know wherever which probably would not have been held online in the first place you know you can join a conference and you know you probably wouldn't have been able to join in because you would have not you would have needed to travel there so that that is pretty be, that has been a pretty cool sort of opportunity i guess to widen the learning and to access um, all these webinars and online conferences um, obviously if it follows then that if you can access this global learning and I'm adapting it for my research or for how I go on and and either work or impact people around my community, that that's that's happening, right? So that's global coming to local. I mean, I guess because I'm a first year, I've not been in a position to to do a webinar where I'm teaching others, but I suspect for people in the school, say, who are doing that, they're impacting other people around the world. So 
that's the reverse. So this local leads content impacting a global audience. So, so I think that's definitely been a, a good thing, a good outcome of the pandemic in, in a global sense. Yeah. That's great, Roland. I, I love the fact that you see the, the brighter side, the positive side uh, to everything, which is, which, you know, which is a value, which is a, a, a strength in the person, I, I think. Well, um, thank you. I say to people, they get it wrong, right? So people say, oh, do this. You live once. I say, no, no, no. You die once. But as long as you're alive, go for it. So come on, we can't be too too down on ourselves. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And I think everyone says you only live once, but nobody says you, you die once. So you should live you should live to the full. So um, yeah, well, yeah, sensibly, great. don't say Roland, say go for it. No, no, sensibly. no. Sensibly. Sensibly. <laughs> Correct. But yeah, let's stay positive. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me ask a, a, a final question as we're coming to the end. Is right. that I, from from our recordings or from our conversation I can see that you're a someone that's that's you know living life to the full you're enthusiastic positive <laughs> but you. but most most of all you're you sound like you're an effective networker which is important because you know you talked about all this opportunity you talked about all these different um different things that people one can get involved in in order to generate more leads and things like that right so and I think one of the things that's that's that can be seen as really challenging by many students whether they're undergraduate or, 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 or master level or postgraduate level so I wanted to just ask what tips and advice that you can give to our audience or you can share with our audience to be an effective networker please so I, I know some people have uh issues i think i don't know if it's if issues is the right word but some people hear the word network and it kind of puts them in a state like oh my god i have to uh another way i guess of seeing that is relationship building right so because all you're doing is you are uh meeting people uh establishing their relevance to you i guess and then you know um building on, 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 on that sort of awareness or acknowledgement of what this person can help you or do with and for you, I guess. Um, so I always say, or my approach is to sort of always be your authentic self. You know, you, you are a single version, if you want, in the sense that you are one person, just be that person and, and it'll be easier. Because what that does is you know, it informs the point that you should know that not everyone you network with will be in your network. So, so don't put pressure on yourself. Like I have to speak to 20 people and these 20 people will be in my network. It, it, uh, sadly, I don't think it works that way. And definitely not in my experience. The reason I talk about being your authentic self and is that you, when you are building relationships, you want to be you want to be you because you want them to benefit you. You don't want to do them for the sake of somebody telling you to have done them. Therefore, I will. Because then re it's not a real relationship and it might not be one that you'll be able to use. Because at the end of the day, you know, what's core to networking is people meeting and hopefully sort of collaborations being sparked or friendships being formed and 
you know, a collegial approach to doing work starting. And so it's very valuable because no matter how brilliant you are, if you don't have, uh, say, an audience, you know, or if, you know, you won't make it on your own, actually, because you always need somebody to guide you, to inform your path. So it's very, very um, important. It's also important to cultivate um, that network, you know. So once you've established a rapport or you've built a relationship with someone, look after it. You, you, you neglect it like a garden, you know, the weeds, the grass will grow. But uh, I think one of the uh, amazing experiences that I had during my, uh, as a taught postgraduate actually, was the postgraduate tour to Switzerland. I mean, we were in the inaugural group. The one thing I loved about that, I, yeah, I used that word, loved, was how we got to meet students from the other divisions. And what that did was it just showed you where, say, my, my subject area uh, sat within the others and how interconnected they were. And yeah, a very valuable experience. And even while when we were out there, we got to interact with some of the uh, students out there. So, so in the moment, you were having not only a network being created amongst these top postgraduate students, but also it was international. Because when we met up with the students um, out in Zeche uh, Abe in uh, Switzerland, we we were connecting with another if you want international network so it, it, just like that you know through the the school we had uh, two networks created oh and of course you, we got to meet some of the organizations there and you know depending on how you engaged with the people who are hosting us even that created its own network so almost three layers we Oh, and we had the guys teaching us as well. So almost like four networks just created from one opportunity. So if you go out and you look for it, I mean, you know, I think I use that as an example only because that's directly from the school. If you go out in, and look for building relations with people, don't freeze. You know, networking is not bad. Acknowledge that not everybody you're going to meet or network with will be a part of your network and just stay your authentic self, men. Hey, presto. Absolutely. I, I really loved what you shared, Roland. I think when you talk about authentic self and you don't have to network um, with everyone, that basically says to me that you you attract a like-minded people and that's effectively what the networking is all about, right? I mean, so yeah, it's, it's, it, you can attract the like-minded, which is pretty cool, but equally being exposed to the not like-minded is a, is a good thing as well because it just opens you to something that you might not have considered before right sure sure but but definitely the like-minded is, is pretty cool because then it's easier to work with the like-minded than uh, than not but hey we live in the world where the more open your mind is and the more open you are to to others i think the better it is for you, to be honest. So, of course, yeah. and that's all part of the networking process, I guess. Um, yeah. So, 
I guess that is a really good point to conclude today's episode. Roland, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today, sharing your story, your journey, and your insight on the topic of globalization. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, your research journey and your your results um, in the years to come. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And you shared so much. And let me just end it with stay positive, stay authentic and live life to the full. So over the next several episodes, I hope to continue inviting more guests to join me and share their insight on globalization and how they're tackling some of the challenges along the way. Most importantly, I want to raise the importance of think globally and act locally. If you're interested in finding out more about this topic, please subscribe to our podcast series. Or if you would like to get in touch, our contact details available in the episode description. Until then, let's go global.